It's good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 15. Amen. So good to see all of you here. Thankful for the presence of the Lord that's here. Amen. And starting a series tonight. It's going to be a three-part series on Is Christ in Christmas? And so we're going to start tonight on that. And then next Wednesday night, we'll be meeting in the prayer room. They'll have it set up. Brother Carson's going to be speaking next Wednesday. And then uh, we'll be uh, continuing our series after that. As you can tell, we're getting set up for our Christmas program and uh, having, having practices and and all of that, and so all of that is going on, and we are certainly thankful for that, and uh, we're excited and believing God to have a great Christmas program. It was so awesome last year, and uh, had a lot of people's lives touched, had some get the Holy Ghost during the altar afterward, and just had a good time, and so looking forward to that again. If you are um, going to the Mississippi District Minister's uh, Christmas dinner this coming Monday night. I need you to let my wife know tonight. We need to turn that number in. So far, uh, no one's told us they were going. It's me and my wife, and I don't think she wants to go, but she is. But uh, so if you're planning on going to that, you need to get with her, and uh, and so we can let Brother Williams know. First Timothy chapter number one, verse number fifteen. If you found it, say Amen. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Aren't you thankful he did that? Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you, and I hope it doesn't seem so much like a history lesson, but, uh, but, but I do want to talk to you about what the Christmas controversy. It's, the series is, is Christ in Christmas, and tonight's lesson is on the Christmas controversy. Two weeks from tonight, we're going to have a lesson on the assault on Christmas and the, uh, the modern attempt to take Christ out of Christmas. Why do they want to do that? Because they're trying to get Christianity out. And so that'll be two weeks from tonight. And then on the 20th of December, we're going to have a lesson titled, a, a, uh, a Truly Christian Christmas. And so that's the series. Lord, I thank you, God, for your people. I thank you for the privilege of being in your house. I thank you for everyone that's gathered tonight in your house for all the classes for all of the uh, youth and children's activities, and God, for everyone that's watching online, I pray that you would help the Word find good ground in our hearts, help us to mix it with faith, in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. So as you can tell, obviously behind me, the Christmas season is here again. For me, it seems like, for, for, for me, Christmas really begins at National Youth Convention. Um, just in my mind, that's sort of where it starts. Regardless of when the season begins, for you, people around the world are busy with their preparations for whatever their version of the Christmas holiday is. 
For many of us, Christmas is a time for family reunions and family in general. People worldwide celebrate the season in different ways, following whatever their particular belief system or customs may be. In America, Christmas is a time to celebrate. Parties have become a big part of Christmas. There's office parties and community get-togethers and friends and associates and all of that. We have this district Christmas dinner coming up. My daughter has a party for her volleyball team tomorrow night. Our facility is booked out for several of the, uh, of, of the, the days when people are having get-togethers, Christmas family holidays. It's the busiest time of the year. And then beyond that, there's so many extra things to attend. It's almost impossible to do everything, isn't it? Attending parties, doing all the shopping, all the social obligations, you can't do everything. And the more you try, the more the stress builds. I know nobody else gets stressed out at Christmas time. My dad and mom, Christmas was, was interesting at our house. My mom loved Christmas, but and she would cook for, it seemed like, a million people. And she'd get herself so worked up on cooking that she'd be grouchy. My dad would be grouchy for the whole month because he was spending money. And when you got grouchy one and grouchy two together, snow or not, we were outside on Christmas. It's busy. It's almost impossible to do everything. Parties are all right. There's not a, I don't have a problem with those in particular. But it bothers or it worries me that the meaning of Christmas gets lost in all the obligations that we have. Christmas is stressful. And then we have these two concerns. I, I do. Let me rephrase that. I have these two concerns. One side of it, I'm afraid that Christmas is becoming overblown into something it was not supposed to be. Draining your finances, the commercialization of it, it's been turned into, in, in a lot of it, in my opinion, corporations are using Jesus to get people's money. On the other hand, and we'll talk about it next week more, there's a growing segment of our society that wishes that we did away with Christmas altogether because it's a religious holiday. And so somehow we have both these opposite worries at the same time, don't we? We're afraid of Christmas becoming overblown, and at the same time we're worried about it being done away with and canceled in certain segments. And so for, the next, for three of the next four Wednesdays, I want to take a, a look at Christmas, historical, cultural, and biblical. When... When asked what Christmas means to them, here are the most common responses I was able to find. Christmas to me, these are, these are what people said. I've found most of them on the internet. Christmas to me is spending time with my family. Christmas is decorating the entire house inside and out. Christmas is shopping for the people I love. Somebody said baking cookies. That's my favorite person so far. Making fudge, that's my new favorite. Preparing a big Christmas dinner, my all-time favorite. 
Christmas is playing games, playing with new gifts and toys that, quote, Santa Claus brought. Someone else said, when I think about Christmas, the first thought that comes to my mind is the good food. Someone else said, it's opening presents. Someone said, it's Christmas songs. It wasn't until far down the list until someone finally said, Jesus. For Christians, Christmas is the celebration of Jesus' birth. It is meant to bring a message of peace and hope. But nowadays, often it's overshadowed by the stress of preparing for Christmas and what that brings. We'll talk about a Christian Christmas. But tonight, I want to talk about the beginning of Christmas. Where did Christmas come from? Now, I know you're going to say it's from the birth of Jesus, but there's a lot more to it than that. And I hope that people that join in right now as I talk about the, the historical roots of Christmas, I hope that they don't write me off before I get to the end of the lesson. Where did Christmas come from? We know where it comes from to us. Jesus was born. But that doesn't explain the holiday and the traditions that surround how we celebrate it. If we were just going to do a biblical Christmas, we would just talk about Jesus being born. We wouldn't do all the other stuff. And so, and oh, maybe I'm being a little preemptive. Over the Halloween holiday, there were a lot of debates all over the place from people about Halloween and this and that and people from all over the country and having their arguments and debates and discussions. And you can't have a discussion on the Internet. It always turns into an argument because all it takes is one. And so people, people have their mind made up one way or the other. And so Christmas is not quite so controversial, but you'd be surprised how controversial it is to some people. Its roots were quite controversial to the degree that it took over three centuries for Christmas to be recognized as a religious holiday. It took over five centuries for it to become a Christian tradition. It was hundreds of years before, Christi before Christmas became part of Christianity. Here's what we do know. Early Christians did not celebrate the birth of Jesus. We'll let that settle in for a minute. Get your pitchforks out and get ready. And Jewish tradition was not to celebrate birthdays, but to celebrate death days. When we go to Israel, and I hope we'll get to go back someday, we'll see if that happens or not. But when we go to Israel, one of my favorite places to go is the Mount of Olives. It offers this view of the old city of Jerusalem. If you ever go in my office on my wall, I've got a picture that I took where you can, where you can see the whole old city in panorama. And it offers this beautiful view of the old city of Jerusalem. The Mount of Olives is actually a cemetery. Did you know that? The Mount of Olives is a cemetery. Um, and it was a cemetery at the time of Jesus. There had, there had already been for centuries people buried there. The prophet Haggai, the Old Testament prophet, is one that's buried there. It's significant that Jesus chose to ascend from the Mount of Olives from a cemetery to show that death had no hold on him. That's one of the reasons that that was the spot. 
But one of the striking things about a visit to the Mount of Olives, and Aaron, you might remember this. I don't know if you will or not. But, uh, but when you go to the Mount of Olives and you're standing over there and the cemetery stretched out down the, the, the mountain behind, below you and goes off into the Kidron Valley and then you see the city of Jerusalem on the other side of the valley, that, that, that cemetery has all these, these graves and in these graves, you find families that are celebrating the death date of their loved one. On the day of their death, they'll gather. You remember those families that were down there? They would put, some of them would put candles. The, you remember Daniel. And they, they would build their little crypts with these little, uh, the, these little alcoves. And they would actually put a candle on the grave to celebrate the death day. Because that was the date of when they got their hope of resurrection. And so they would put a white stone on top. And then when you go, you see these families all over this, 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 this centuries-old uh, cemetery, thousands of years old that stretched out. And you see these little pockets of families celebrating the day of their family member's death. They did not celebrate birthdays. It's one reason why we don't know the actual day of Jesus' birth, because it wasn't in their custom to celebrate birthdays. So birthdays aren't prominent in Jewish culture, so it's not a surprise that ancient Christians who had converted from Judaism did not celebrate the birth of Christ as a holiday. In fact, no one knows on what day Jesus was actually born. It's highly unlikely, almost certain, that he was not born on December 25th. Most scholars believe that it's somewhere from spring into summer. A December birth is almost completely improbable. So how did Christmas become celebrated in December and why on the 25th? Am I, am I raising any questions yet? That you're, I hope my history lesson is not too boring. I love history. I drive down the road in the car almost every day listening to history podcasts. And so that's how I spend my time in the car. And, and uh, let's get back to history. You have to remember that when Jesus was born and when he died, the world was a Roman world. The Romans had a false god that they had named Saturn, the planet that you know, that's where you heard his name before. The planet with the rings around it is named after this Roman god, Saturn. Saturn was described as the Roman god of agriculture, wealth, and time. His mythological reign was depicted as a golden age of abundance and peace. Saturn was often depended as an older man with a long white beard. I know that doesn't sound like anything familiar at this time of year. He was widely worshipped in Rome, and there was a major temple built for him in the form in the heart of the ancient city. The most important holiday for ancient Rome was the holiday in honor of Saturn, and they called it Saturnalia. Saturnalia was celebrated between December 17th and December 23rd, during the time of the winter solstice. The Roman festivities included a round of gift-giving, and merrymaking, which I don't really know how they define merrymaking. It made it the most popular celebration 
and, the fa- and, and what they called the jolliest celebration on their calendar. This holiday, Saturnalia, actually started, you could find a Roman writer named Macrobius wrote about it in the 5th century B.C. And it endured for about 300 years A.D. So, eight, nine centuries or so. It was this period where people gave gifts to one another. Slaves had freedoms enjoyed during this celebration that other citizens normally had. People, people partied, they had feasts, they played games. They, the ancient historian Catullus, he famously described it as the best of times. The celebrations were marked by the buying and giving of candles, candy, and small terracotta figurines. It was traditional for people to give money to their dependents. That's still traditional. So they could buy goods offered during the celebration. For eight or nine hundred years or so, this holiday was the highlight of the Roman calendar. It was anticipated by all Roman families. And then in 313 A.D., Rome became officially legally Christian under the Emperor Constantine. The transition from a pagan society to a Christian society wasn't entirely smooth. Customs and traditions and beliefs of the Roman religion that pre-existed their conversion to Christianity didn't die easily. And the new Christian traditions didn't take hold easily. And so what happened in Rome and in the empire was this amalgamation, this mixture of traditions that began to develop. There's evidence that Saturnalia as a festival was celebrated for around a century or so after the conversion of Rome to Christianity. The religious aspects of the festival honoring Saturn were gradually lost. They morphed into different traditions. The connection with December and midwinter and the birth of Jesus wasn't made until the second century AD. Somewhere in the second century, they began to celebrate it in December. The first known celebration of Christmas as the birth of Christ we find in history in, the, in 354 AD. The date of December 25th likely comes from a Roman festival that was called in the Latin form the day of the birth of the unconquered sun, the S-U-N. It was a festival celebrating the sun, the birth of the sun in the sky. Constantine, this first Christian emperor, was brought up in the cult of the sun god. And so it's possible that he chose that date to replace the festival, this pagan festival, with a time to revere, revere the birth of Christ. The Catholic Church didn't really adopt a specific Christmas liturgy until the ninth century. So we're talking centuries after the birth of Christ, hundreds of years later. It resisted the holiday because of the roots of the, of the Roman holiday. And so then, how do we reconcile this Roman holiday with Christmas. Anybody else wondering that? You weren't until you got here, were you? 
1 Timothy 1.15, we read it. It said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The King James Version, not always easy to decipher the, the dialect, where he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. The, the ESV says, this, is a, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. The NLT says it this way, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. In my opinion, here is what's most important when it comes to the idea of Christmas. And it's trustworthy, it's a fact. And everyone should accept it. What's important is that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. To me, it doesn't matter if it was December 25th or July 25th. Doesn't matter if it's October the 1st or January the 1st or any day in between. The most important part is that we know that Christ Jesus came to save sinners. It's not necessarily when he came. It's that he came. Max Lucado wrote a great book. I don't know, you may have read it. It's years and years and years ago. But it was titled, God Came Near. And in it, he has a chapter titled, 25 Questions for Mary. Here's, here's what he wrote. Here's his 25 questions that he would like to ask Mary. What was it like watching him pray? How did he respond when he saw other kids giggling during service? When he saw a rainbow, did he ever talk about the flood? Did you ever feel awkward teaching him how he created the world? When he saw a lamb being led to slaughter, did he act different? Did you ever see him with a distant look on his face as if he were listening to someone you couldn't hear? How did he act at funerals? Did the thought ever occur to you that the God to whom you were praying was asleep under your own roof? Did you ever try to count the stars with him and succeed? Did he ever come home with a black eye? That's an interesting question. How did he act when he got his first haircut? Did he have any friends by the name of Judas? Did he do well in school? Did you ever scold him? Did he ever have have to ask a question about scripture. What do you think he thought when he saw a prostitute offering to the highest bidder the body that he made? Did he ever get angry when someone was dishonest with him? Did you ever catch him pensively looking at the flesh on his own arm while holding a clot of dirt? Did he ever wake up afraid? Who was his best friend? When someone referred to Satan, how did he act? Did you ever accidentally call him father? What did he and his cousin John talk about as kids? Did his other brothers and sisters understand what was happening? Did you ever think, that's God eating my soup? The reason I read those questions is because 
It shows the miracle that God wrapped himself in flesh. The human incarnation of the great God is the greatest miracle of the whole salvation story. If you ask me, it's not so important when we celebrate that he was born, but that we celebrate he was born. And so I've had people ask. I, I, I preached for some folks when I was, I was a young single evangelist. It would have been early in the 1990s, and I would travel and preach, and I preached for a, a, a church in Western Virginia. And, uh, and this particular church, they, had, they, they, they did not believe in celebrating Christmas or, or Easter. They didn't believe in anything, hardly. But, uh, but, but those were two things I remember they didn't believe in. Um, I couldn't read the sports page while I was there. Uh, I got caught up after I left. And so one of the things that they would argue is its roots are in the Roman holiday of Saturnalia. And so I want you, if you will, for just a few minutes, I don't want to keep you a whole lot longer, but I do want you to think with me, if you will, about the first Christians that lived in the city of Rome. You have a system that allows terrible persecution. Many of your fellow believers have been beaten, some of them killed for denying the gods of the Roman emperor. You personally probably knew people as a Christian, you probably knew people personally who had been forced to fight each other as gladiators in the Colosseum or to fight lions or other beasts. You've learned to find ways to communicate your faith without unnecessarily putting your family at risk. The, the, the fish symbol, that you ever see the fish symbol on the back of people's cars? Um, that's a Christian symbol. It was a way that they would communicate. If, if you saw another Christian, you would make a line in the ground, an, an arc, and then the other Christian would make a, the corresponding arc. And that's how you knew they, they were a Christian without having to say, praise the Lord, brother, and get thrown in jail. I was driving when I was evangelizing. I was about 18 years old. I was driving in Florida, and I was going down I-75, and I passed this this car and it had a fish symbol on it and it had a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker. So I honked and they gave me the bird. They must have borrowed that car. Or they needed more of the fish. The word Maranatha was another code word that when you saw a believer in public, you would say Maranatha. And it was, it, it, it was the hope of his coming. It was a way of, of, of having community when your life was on the line. It wasn't that you would have been ashamed to die for your faith. But it doesn't mean that you wanted to die either. And so there's this Roman holiday, Saturnalia, that celebrated every December honoring this pagan idol that you don't believe in and you don't worship. But for this holiday, Roman law demands. All commerce comes to a stop. You can't work on those days. There was a period where it was for three days. At certain times over the centuries, it would change 
to five days or seven days. But you can't avoid the holiday. It's mandated by the emperor. It's enforced by the legions. You can't avoid Saturnalia. You can't just ignore it and go to work anyway and act like it's not happening. But your convictions don't allow you to celebrate this false god either. And so what do you do? How do you manage it? Behind the closed doors of your house, you decide that I'm not going to teach my children to worship this Roman god. We're going to make it about Jesus. And so instead of worshiping Saturn in your home in that December, you teach your children about the birth of Jesus Christ. You teach them about the God that was manifest in the flesh. That Jesus Christ came to save sinners. You make sure that your family knows that you don't celebrate the birth of this Roman God. That you celebrate the birth of the true God, Jesus Christ. And so from this perspective, the fact that we celebrate Christmas instead of Saturnalia is not an acquiescence to Rome. It's a victory over Rome. Christmas was first called the Feast of the Nativity by the church and was introduced in the 4th century. Around 330 A.D. and was declared a federal holiday in the United States on June 26, 1870. So our nation was in existence for almost 100 years before Christmas became a federal holiday. I want to point out that the issue is not when he was born. It's that he was born. When we celebrate it, the day we celebrate it doesn't really matter as long as we remember the truth that he came, that he was born of a virgin for our sins. Throughout the scriptures weaved through verse after verse in the Old Testament are prophecies that speak of Jesus Christ who was to come. Bible scholars have concluded that from, from much research that hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, more than 300 prophecies were recorded to tell of his coming, his life, his journey to the cross, the power of the resurrection. These prophecies point to the exact location and circumstances and even the timing of Jesus' birth. The birth of Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of Scripture. He is the Word. He's the light. He's the way, the truth, and the life. The whole message of Christmas is wrapped up in Jesus Christ, God's greatest gift, amen, who came as a tiny baby in a manger, but with one powerful purpose. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Amen. So the apostle wrote it. Here's a faithful saying. Here's a true saying. Here's something you can count on and rely on that everyone should accept. No one should argue. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Amen.
As long as your celebration doesn't violate the scriptures and our Christian sensibilities, then I think we should celebrate. Now, if you were asking me for my pet peeves, the lesson would get a lot longer. Like apostolic people that think that holiness and posting pictures not dressed properly is okay because it's Christmas pajamas. Just an FYI, they make modest Christmas nightgowns too if you need a photo shoot. Just, I'm just saying the truth. Amen. Galatians 4, 3 through 5. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Boy, isn't that, a, isn't that a true verse? We were in bondage under the elements of the world. Born in sin, no hope, couldn't save ourselves. Verse number four, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, look at this phrase, that we might receive the adoption of sons. We were all born in bondage to sin. All of us born in bondage to the world. Couldn't deliver ourselves. But in God's perfect time, he manifested himself in flesh. Was born of a woman in a manger to redeem humanity that we might have the adoption of sons. He came, and that's what matters. He came to redeem us. Amen. He came to save us from our sin. I'm going to let other people argue and fight about Christmas, but I know what it means to me. Jesus Christ was born so that he could live and die for my sins. Let me, let me, I got one more verse, just a few more comments. 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Paul was telling Timothy, there's no doubt it's that, that, that God is a mystery. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. He said, here's the great mystery. Here's the great mystery of godliness, that God was manifest in the flesh, that God would have the divine thought that these poor people can't save themselves. There's not a sacrifice they can make that can buy their pardon. There's not a thing that they can do to deliver themselves. So the great God that created everything in the entire universe was manifest in the flesh. That's what we're celebrating. That's what it's about. That's what it's all about. When he came, to me, doesn't matter. What time of year doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter when you celebrate to me, but I think that we should all celebrate. All days were made by God. Amen. And I think we ought to celebrate his incarnation every day. Amen. Amen. I remember preaching in a country where the church was technically illegal. People raised under false doctrine, oppressive false doctrine. And I remember 
talking to people through an interpreter in the church and them telling me what it felt like when they first realized that Jesus came to them. And they would weep and cry, thinking about all their life they had lived, not knowing him, not caring about him, perhaps even persecuting his church. And then to come to the realization that that one that I didn't even think about thought about me 2,000 years ago and came to me so I could be saved. Folks, I think we ought to raise our hands to that God that looked ahead and saw us and chose to be born in a manger. Here's a faithful saying, and everyone should accept it, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Aren't you thankful? Why don't you just tell him how thankful you are? Amen. Can you just thank him that he came, not because we were good, but because we were bad. Not because we deserved it, but because there was no way we could ever deserve it. Not on our merits, but because of his great love wherewith he loved us. He was born, he came into the world to save sinners. God, I thank you. Oh, can you help me right now as we talk to him? God, I thank you. God, while the world wants to fight over it, if they want to fight over it, they can, but I know what I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating that you loved me enough to be born into this world and to die on a cross for me. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for coming into this world. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because you came to save a sinner like me. Thank you, Lord, because you came into a, a wicked, sinful world that was so against your nature and you came because you loved us enough. Thank you, God. It's a faithful saying. It's a true saying. And everyone should accept it that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let's have a dismissal prayer. We're going to ask the Lord to be with us. Again, next Wednesday night, we'll be meeting in the prayer room. Brother Carson's going to be bringing his guitar and singing and, and, and bringing the Bible lesson. And then on the 13th and the 20th, we're going to finish our series. Lord, we thank you. God, I know, Lord, as we're winding down November, and God, our holiday season, the stress is getting ready to be amped up. The obligations are being amped up. Lord, all the commercialization and all the things that are going on in culture around us, God, that is a diversion away from our true anchor. And so, God, I pray that while we have all these things that we need to do and we want to do, we want to celebrate, God, I pray that you help us to keep focused on the true bottom bedrock reason why we celebrate. It's because you came into the world to save sinners. And, God, I thank you for it. Keep us grounded. Help us to train our families properly on what this is really all about. And Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday morning. Have a great rest of your week.